Well, hello and welcome to Coffee with Colleen. We have a wonderful guest coming all the way from the UK with us today, Dagmar Bryant, and she provides women coaching and training to empower them to live their best lives. And we've just been chatting a little bit before we hit record, and uh, she's got some amazing stories that she wants to share with us today. So thank you so much for being with us, Dagmar. Colleen, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really exciting to be able to share some of what I do and some of those stories with your audience. I can't wait. You know, we just, like I said, we talked about a couple of little things. And before we, we got too much into your backstory, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Let's just share that with everybody because it sounds like it's going to be good. So how did you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into coaching and working with uh, women to talking about empowerment and living their best lives and and permission to say no and that type of thing. So what's a little bit about your background and how you got involved doing that? Well, I'll try and keep it as trim as I can. You know, as my own story, there's a many layers to this. In terms of my work history, I was in customer service, admin, and then I went into law. I actually studied law quite late and I was working in patent and trademark attorneys. And while I loved what I do, I had the best boss ever. There was a lot of stuff and let's just call it stuff that was going on in that workplace that was really not very pleasant. And as de facto a legal kind of firm, you would think that they would know better in terms of things like discrimination and various other practices. And I got to the point, even when I was studying, because I was studying in conjunction with working at this firm, and I got to the point because I was I was studying taxation. I think that's the big clue here, studying taxation. It was a Sunday morning over a cup of coffee when I just knew that I was done. It was it was just so clear cut because I'd had enough. There was a point where I didn't want to be in that environment anymore. And I guess I was an idealist. I went into law thinking I was going to make a difference. And I remember this one particular case that we had. Now, forgive me, I can't remember if it was a patent or a trademark, but let's just call it intellectual property. And this man had to defend his case because this other firm was using his intellectual property. And I remember it cost him $28,000, obviously Australian dollars, so it cost him $28,000 to fight his claim to use his intellectual property that he had registered and all that he was able to claim back uh, from the person who violated that law was $1,000 because that was what the property law was. Yeah, I know. Open your mouth. <laughs> and I'm just going, that is so wrong. And, uh, yes, I. Um, that was one of the things also that kind of, just brought it home to me. How am I making a difference? How can I help someone when that is so messed up? And I kind of pretty much the following week gave up law. I gave up my study. I gave up work. I quit. My dad nearly had a meltdown because he couldn't understand that all of a sudden I was going out of law. How can you leave law? You know, you're going to be this big, fantastic lawyer. And he and I just really had a disagreement about that in terms of our own relationship. It really disintegrated our relationship. And 
it was the right thing to do though. It was that moment when I knew I was empowered. It made me feel good. And in some ways, I knew that I always wanted to help other people because people naturally came to me, people naturally asked me questions, they just told me things. And we'd go back and forth and tell, tell, you know, we'd talk about our stories and what's going on and look at solutions. And someone once said to me, well, that's actually coaching. <laughs> so, okay. And I did a course, I did a diploma in health counselling because I thought well counselling is pretty you know legit so I did that as well and it kind of just took me naturally from what I had already been doing I guess on the side in the background to making that into a career and I mean I studied and did a few other things as well but it gave me that purpose it gave me that sense of I knew that I could really make a difference with people by listening to their stories. You made a comment about your dad. Now I'm assuming you're out in the workforce and you're working and you're pursuing, you know, your career and your education. Mm -hmm. But your dad was, sounds like he was very vocal about you changing directions. Yes. Yes, my dad was. My dad, well, see, my background is I was born in Germany many moons ago and my father was a very stoic, traditional, if you like, quite judgmental German. You do things my way. This is the way things are done. And I want you, I mean, he did mean it in, I guess, for the most part with a good heart. It was, you know, intended well, but his philosophy was always, this is the way that you do things. This is what I expect of you. And if you didn't follow that, to something that he didn't agree with or that he couldn't uh, co-reconcile within himself, then all of a sudden you were in the bad books. So that's kind of where that came about, that history. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of an old school and you say very German um, type of upbringing. Um, My dad wasn't that way, but I did know a few other people who had a very authoritarian type household that they grew up in, whether it was because of cultural or religious or um, that type of thing. So Mm. did you feel like a patriarchy type attitude? Did you feel that that influenced a lot of decisions that you made? And and was that that turning point for you when you just kind of cut that loose? Because you said it was a real change in your relationship with him. Yes and no. I think Mm. growing up, I was really close with my dad. I Mm -hmm. I admired my dad. I thought he was great. The fact, you know, he, I have to give him credit for who I've become. He taught me to stand up for myself. He taught me to be strong. And there are really good qualities that he had that I've adopted. So I can't fault him for that. Our relationship broke down a few different times for various reasons. He couldn't understand why I left my former husband, the the man who was the father of my children. And ironically, and I'll say, I'll say his name, his name was Craig. Craig, I say was because he's gone to the spirit world. But he couldn't understand why I was leaving this man. The irony was what I didn't realise was that I married a man like my father with that same kind of philosophy. It's my way or it's the highway. And when I, after I'd had my kids, 
uh, we had two kids fairly close together and Craig was 10 years older than I was. And believe it or not, that was never, ever an issue. The age difference was never a problem. It was everything else that was the problem. But after I'd had my kids, I wanted from after I had gone into maternity leave with my second daughter, I said, well, I'd really like to go back to school and study. And I told him about my dream of studying and becoming a lawyer. And I was 20, I had Samantha 25, Megan two years later. So I was about 27, 28 when we had this discussion. And his comeback to me was something along the lines of, Why on earth do you want to do that? Who would employ you? You're going to be too old when you finish it. Oh, no, you can go work at the local grocery store. That'll be your lot. And it's like, what? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) That was the turning point in that relationship, you know, like, oh, my goodness, what on earth is going on here? (laughs) Isn't it interesting, though, that we marry the person that's well actually and I've had psychiatrists tell me you marry a person that's like the parent that mm-hmm. you were most trying to please that you most wanted more you know get to get that love from yes so it's a great analogy when you think about it because mm-hmm. uh, you know I when I married Craig I didn't realize that I was doing that and it wasn't until like a few years later that I had that aha like oh really Dagmar you did that and it's one of those things one of my big lessons in terms of empowerment was that I had to break free of these two men yes they taught me something about myself I mean if I'd had a choice I would have probably chosen an easier road to go down to achieve that goal but they served a purpose in teaching me something about myself and something that I can use when I'm working with other people because, believe it or not, empowerment comes up so often in conversations that I have with people. Interesting. How so? Well, for example, there might be a person who comes to me who's having a problem in her relationship and lo and behold, she's having a problem with her marriage and she's discovering that the person that she's married is married to is not who she thought that that person is. Uh, She might be having problems in her career, realising that the career path that she's chosen has put her into this hole, if you like, or into this um, restricted kind of space. And all of a sudden, she feels disempowered because she can't do what she really wants to do. Well, you're almost like a marriage counsellor as well, it sounds like. (laughs) There's a bit of that, always, yes. Right, right. So how do do you help women overcome? Because, you know, we talk a lot on my show about toxic relationships and setting boundaries. And, you know, that's like the beginning portion of it. And it sounds like you're taking women much, much further beyond that, which is great. Um, How do you help women who have felt stifled or pushed down or unable to express themselves and be empowered? How do you help them get to that next step? For me, over the years, I've developed, I guess you would call it a three-step process. And the first one is to really understand who we are. And that might encompass looking at our values, our goals, and what is it that we really want Often when we say that we want something, and I guess New Year's Eve 
resolutions, New Year's resolutions are a perfect example of this. You know, how often do we say, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to uh, give up smoking, I want to uh, have a new job with within a certain period? And then all of a sudden it's like three or four weeks down the track, you're into February and those goals are nowhere in sight because we don't have that real core understanding or maybe we don't even want to really look at it in terms of what's important to us. And that's one of the first things that we need to do. We need to understand who we are and how our actions, or in this case, as with the New Year resolution example, how our inactions play a part in our choices. So that's the first kind of part of the process. The second part of the process is asking yourself the question, what do you want to do about it? And for example, you might choose not to do anything about it. And even acknowledging that in itself, that's okay. Why do you want to lose weight? Is it because you want to fit into a dress for your sister's wedding? Is it because you are looking at your own health benefits? Or don't you really want to lose weight? You say you want to lose weight, but you're having a um, a um, chocolate bar every day. You've got to look at those things and understand, well, do you even really want to do something about this? I guess this is, I can tell you a story about a lady that I saw a few years ago. Would you like me to share another story? Oh, please. I love stories. <laughs> um, this lady, she had some issues with um, relationships. Specifically, she wanted to bring a new relationship into her life. And some of the, I gave her some action steps on what she could do to help herself. And we had a little bit of a look at her background. And I remember it ever so clearly my appointment with her was on the 7th of January. I won't tell you the year, just 7th of January is the important part because she contacted me, you know, just after the new year and she messaged me. She sent me a text message two weeks later, two weeks later saying, Dagmar, I don't think the new man is going to come into my life. It's been three weeks, three weeks, and I've been really patient and I've gone okay, it hasn't been three weeks, it's been two weeks, and have you done any of the action steps? And I went through some of those things again with her, and her response was, I'll think about it. So how can I help you if you don't want to help yourself? And this is where I say it's okay to say I don't actually want to do anything about it, but you need to own that. Or some people might not be in a position to do anything about it. Like with me, when I was leaving Craig, I couldn't just up and leave. I had two kids under three because my daughters were born 19 months apart. I had to get re-educated. I need to get a, get into a position where I had some money behind me. And as it was, I ended up borrowing some money from my dad, who gratefully did lend me some money. But you have to sometimes get yourself into a position where you then can take those action steps and that that can take time. So that covers step number two. Step number three is an end date. And I say it's where we hold ourselves accountable. X actually does mark the spot. Harrison Ford did it in, I think it was, was it Temple of Doom or the other one, you know, when he yeah, was looking down, it, it, yeah. was, it was the X. <laughs> X marks the spot in terms of your calendar. So hold yourself accountable that you do something or many little things by certain timeframes 
to hold yourself accountable. You want to lose weight? Well, when are you going to start? Well, preferably today or tomorrow. But where are you going to be at in two weeks' time? Where are you going to be at in four weeks' time? If you want to have a new job, okay, what do you need to do to make that happen? Do you need to put together a CV? Do you need to speak to other people? Do you need to do some research? Do you need to do some training? But so that you hold yourself accountable, almost like a project manager, so that you know where you're at and that life doesn't go by and then holy moly, all of a sudden 12 months or two years have gone by or longer and you haven't reached anything because you haven't held yourself accountable to what I call that X mark. It's almost like helping people define the difference between a wish and an actual goal. Absolutely. Because Because some people wish, I wish I was 20 pounds less, right? Oh, I I wish I was 20 pounds less too. But but there's that difference between it's a wish or is it a goal? Exactly. I wish I was 20 pounds less or I am determined I will be 20 pounds less in 10 weeks. Yes, so that's what and, you're helping people do is is be a project manager. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's obviously a whole lot more to it, but to me yeah. they're the three step the the three starting points so that it gives us an idea of where you are at and to help you empower yourself because I can do all the steps, but right. you have to do your own steps. I can't do it for you. And how do we tap into that internal power is there like how can we get to our our goals faster type of thing by um is it just determining our why like Simon Sinek talks about what you know finding your why is that what really helps I love that TED talk uh it's one of my favorite and (laughs) I think why is a good point to start I think you also need to look at yourself in terms of your own values and what you really want. And that can be an unconscious thing as well. And that's the beauty of, I I do a little bit of NLP with people because I've I've studied as a hypnotherapist and NLP and all that. So we, we do a few kind of exercises to help really narrow that down and break that down to work out, well, where are some of these things coming from? Because one of the things people do is, they don't always look at their own reasons for why they're making these blocks. So they might have fears, they might have insecurity. And sometimes there's very practical reasons and sometimes not, but there are also things that need to be looked at. And it helps to determine where is that motivation with people. Motivation is such a big factor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and one of the things I talk about constantly with my clients is motivation. It, it can, it, motivation is an emotion. Decision. <laughs> decision is what you really want because yes. you won't be motivated tomorrow morning to work out. Not every yes. single solitary morning. So you have to make that decision and not count on a feeling to take you to the next step. Um Sorry, I had to throw that in there. That's kind of no, a... No, do, do, absolutely do. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just, when people are motivated, and sometimes you're just not motivated, you know, and the difference between an Olympic athlete, you know, the gold and the silver, you know, can only be maybe a millisecond. So it's always absolutely. making that decision to make yourself a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and improving your mindset. Absolutely. You have to make those decisions. So what kind of fears? Okay, you were going to say something. Go ahead. I was going to. No, no, mindset. I love mindset. It's Mm -hmm. it's 
to me, that's what the core of everything is. That's why I call myself a mindset and transformational coach, because everything starts in the mind before you make a decision, or if even when you do make a decision, it's all got to come from in here. And if you don't actually, I mean, decisions often come from the heart and sometimes it's head versus heart and all of that, but where it, wherever it comes from, you've got to follow through and that's where your mindset kicks in. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the backtrack a little bit on the whole idea of fears. Mm -hmm. Some of the women that you've worked with, do you see some common fears or common roadblocks that hold women back in general or is everybody completely different? <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> a little bit of both, yes. Right. One common fear that seems to come up time and time again, and this is not just with women because I've seen it with um, men as well, and I should add, I didn't actually start out to intentionally work with women. It kind mm -hmm. of happened accidentally. It's just that so many more ca women came to me because of my story. So that's how the demographic went down that path. You were asking about a particular issue that comes up. And I would say one of the biggest ones in any kind of relationship that's in trouble when they know that they should be leaving but don't is that they worry that they're going to be alone. And so they stay in the relationship because their fear is that they're going to be alone or that there's nobody else going to come along or that there's nobody better going to come along. What happens if the next man comes along that's worse? So one of the big things we have to do around those fears is shift that mindset because if you keep thinking that way, then you're going to create exactly that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, you, what you think about, you bring about, mm -hmm. and there's so much scientific evidence. You know, it's not just woo-woo. You know, there's so no. much scientific evidence that points to the fact that the things that you think about and focus on is confirmation bias. You know, when you look for those things, that's exactly what you end up getting. That's so, true. It's so important. I'm so thrilled that you're doing this work for women. And like you say, maybe you didn't start specifically toward women, but I think 85 to 90% of our listeners are women. So <laughs> I did get a note from a gentleman this morning, would you quit saying women all the time? Because there's so many men that listen to your show. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and I think when you shift your mindset and what you focus on and what you expect, that your life your life will change. Um, true. Moving forward, and, and you're going to get to your goals faster, and you're you are going to feel more empowered. That's just that really hit when you said women are afraid of being alone. I just real that was like a a punch in the stomach. Mm. It's such because I, I hear that over and over again um, from women. It's like. Well, it's like the devil I know. I'm with him because, you know, and I'm just, I know it's not good, but I know it's not the best, but it's what I know. And I don't want to, I'm yes. too old to get back out there. And oh, yes, that one. Yes. Mm, it's, yeah. it's all it's all a variation of the same theme, isn't it? It seems to be. Yeah, it seems to be. So where do you take um, people once they, you know, do, do you have like a program where you just work with people on a monthly basis or a yearly basis or on one issue at a time basis? How do you work with people? 
Well, people can work with me in a number of different ways. I have an online program for specifically for goal setting. So if you, especially with the big pandemic and everything, people are working more from home, they can do it in their own time. And that is a great starting point. I also do coaching programs one-on-one and we can customise a program for either three months, six months or 12 months to really propel you forward. So there's a number of different ways that we can work together, definitely. And if you're only looking at sort of that inner peace within yourself, you can really start with um, a, a meditation, a monthly meditation that I do again online. And it just helps give you that sense of peace. And sometimes that is also a great starting point because it gives you clarity with who you are, and you get a lot of enlightenment when you just connect within within, and with your inner self. And, you know, you, you take your mind away from that chatter that we have going on every day. So definitely a number of different ways that I try and help people. Plus, I've recently started a Facebook group for fabulous 40s, 50s and beyond. Woo! <laughs> Let's hear it for us. <laughs> so, you know, a, a place where you are safe to talk about things that are going on. We talked about uh, graying hair last week and it's just, well, it's it's a genuine problem, right? It is, yes. And I have some that's right here and you can't see it because I have a special little tool that I use to cover it up with. <laughs> They're great, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> so there's, there's different ways ways of helping to empower people and hopefully you know people will be able to use some of those tools and I'll have the links to those in the show notes so that people can have access to that so one final question yes. if you could go back to your younger self and give your younger self advice what would you say believe in possibilities I have a motto that is actually, and it's my now motto, that is life is not about sitting on the sidelines. To achieve success, you need to take calculated risks. And if I had to go back to my younger self, it's, you know, believe in that what you start out with doesn't have to be what you end up with. And I I remember distinctly one time when I was driving my daughters to school and I had a couple of uh, their friends in the car and they were about 15, 16, and there was so much pressure put onto them about making career choices. And me, being the mum in the car, said, you know, don't think this choice has to be your be-all and end-all, that you have so many possibilities that you're not restricted into this one thing. And I think that becomes, again, so empowering when you look at life in terms of possibilities, because it just opens up so many doorways. Oh, that's put so well, because, I, you know, I I know what I was forced to make a decision when I was 14. You know, what mm-hmm. do you want to be when you grow up? And it has changed so many times. I've lived so many different careers and moved in so many different directions because doors were open and there was those possibilities. And I love, I never thought of putting it that way, but that's exactly it. That's possibility. And go ahead, live. And, you know, when one door closes, another one will open and you just keep going. Um, Yeah. And look at your life from Germany to Australia, to the UK, to the States. I mean, you've been all over the place and, and, 
you know, an attorney and counseling and it just, it grows and it blossoms. There's so many possibilities in our life. And once we get out there, when we realize there are so many doors open to us that we're the ones that are limiting ourselves and closing those doors when they're there, just go through. Yeah. And set those goals and work with you so you can get people to help you get through those doors and get to those next steps. Because I think we like a plan. Yeah, we put so much limitations on ourselves. So I appreciate you being here. And of course, uh, for our VIPs, our cappuccinos, uh, we're going to continue this conversation and have some more goodies inside your membership area. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Again, Dagmar, I appreciate all the helpful advice that you're given. And I can't wait to share some more with our VIPs. Uh, But thank you for being here on Coffee with Colleen. Well, once again, thank you so much for having me. I hope it's been of benefit to your listeners. I'm sure it has. And thanks for listening and we will see you next time.